Presented from Uncle Mike's dining room table. Fallout. Savage Worlds. Season 1 recap. And remember, war, war never changes. Lies. Propaganda. Murder. When the dust settles and the battles are fought, will the ends really justify the means? Or will our crew of misfits end up on the wrong side of history? Having decided to stay in Wright Town, the crew confronted Uncle Rocky. Was he really a synth? An agent of Bravo? It took some time, but Uncle Rocky finally opened up. He is indeed a synth, but no longer an agent of Bravo. He was able to escape with the help of an organization called the Railroad. After he arrived in Wright Town 23 years ago, the Railroad then erased his memory of the journey so he couldn't be interrogated later. This meant that while the crew could use the Railroad to find Bravo, they would have to follow the trail back one agent at a time. No time for that though. The crew were invited to a secret meeting of revolutionaries in Wright Town that consisted of Bell, the unofficial union leader of the factory in town, Madame Georgie, the nightclub <coughs> manager, <coughs> Howell Prone, the mine foreman, and, surprisingly, Cal Wright. Cal was tired of his Uncle Jed's cruelty, and he acts as the financier of this small band of free thinkers. The revolutionaries were debating how best to overthrow Jed and the rest of the Wright family when Jojo offered an idea. Dress some men as the town deputies and then have them kidnap and kill a miner's family. This would spur the whole town to rise up and fight. Bell confirmed she would be able to procure the uniforms and weapons for the operation and, after some arguments, the group agreed on the plan with one exception. They would kidnap Uncle Rocky and his family and fake their murder instead of actually hurting them. Grace was able to procure the parts for making blanks and blood splatters as well. And with that, the crew enacted their plan. Grace was able to make three blanks and three squibs to make the attack look real, and Red was able to find an old video camera to catch the whole thing on tape. The only thing left was to convince Uncle Rocky of the plan. Rethgif had some trouble convincing him, but in the end, Uncle Rocky agreed it was the best plan of action. As Rethgif and Grace burst through the door disguised as town deputies, Uncle Rocky and his boys acted the part perfectly. In fact, the older of the two boys turned out to be quite the thespian. The blanks fired. The squibs went off, causing fake blood to go everywhere. Between everyone's acting and Red's camera work, the video was quite convincing. 
Jojo had a cart ready for everyone's escape and the whole group was able to sneak away to Madame Georgie's place. The crew had some downtime while the rest of the revolutionaries circulated the video to rile up a crowd. In that time, Rethgriff contemplated his feelings for the young nurse named Susanna that he met at the hospital. Did he truly love her? And would she ever see him as more than a brute? Grace decided to spend the time at the poker tables and earned herself quite a handful of caps. Red went to the dead drop, where she so often sent communications to her hacker contact, Gabriel. There she was able to find out that Madame Georgie was a contact for both Gabriel and the railroad. Jay found himself going behind the red door at Madame Georgie's and spent some time with one of the... <clears throat> escorts. While all this was going on, Jojo prepared for battle with a nice long nap. Eventually, Howell Prone came for the crew and told them that there was an army of workers marching on the right mansion. The plan had worked, and the people were none the wiser that it had been their own leaders' decisions that had started this civil war. The battle was long, deadly, when it was finally done, over half the deputies had been killed, and more than three-quarters of the workers were dead. It all ended when Cal stood on the steps of Wright Manor, and with a shotgun killed the corrupt mayor, Chad Wright. The now free town erupted in celebration, and the council made plans to hold elections at the end of the month. The crew joined in the celebrations, and Rethgift ended up drinking just a little too much. Shortly thereafter, he stumbled into the hospital, drunkenly pronounced his love to Susanna the nurse, and that was it. What happened after, he couldn't remember. But he awoke the next morning on a gurney with a pounding headache and a note from Susanna. The Dream Den announced free VR simulations for anyone who brought spoils from the battle and Grace decided to see if they would be able to retrieve her memories. When she arrived, Delmar explained that they normally implant memories, not retrieve forgotten memories. However, he was willing to try in exchange for the large assault rifle that she brought to him. While he wasn't able to retrieve all of her memories, he did find one. A memory of who Grace really was, and of her standing before a firing squad. Excrement! She shouted as the guns went off, and she popped back into reality. Jojo spent the night wandering the streets, making sure everyone was okay, when he was approached by a man who spoke in the voice of Bravo. It was revealed that Jojo's master, Utah, was a computerized being as well, and a brother to Bravo. Bravo admitted that he did indeed kill Utah, and that now he was out to kill his second brother, Remy. Leave my family alone! Jojo shouted as he attacked the man. They engaged in a quick fight that eventually led to Bravo leaving the man's mind and causing him to have a heart attack. After a few drinks and some dancing, Red decided to head back to Madame Georgie's to see if she could work on Remy, who had had his hard drive erased after he tried to hack into a Bravo-owned computer. On the way, she realized she had two holotapes in her pocket that weren't there before. One, a message from Gabriel, congratulating her on the town's victory. The other, 
most of Remy's memories that Gabriel had sent another hacker to find. As Red downloaded the file into Remy to finally bring him back, she dug into the code and realized that his memories from before the war had been erased long ago by JoJo's own master, Utah. As this intricate web of lies and false memories was being woven with the other members of the crew, Jay spent his night at the party trying to curtail favor among the council, in hopes of winning the election at the end of the month. They announced that they were placing him in charge of the Newtown deputies, and that he and the rest of his crew would be awarded the title Marshals. As Jay was processing all of this, a ten-year-old blonde-haired girl walked into the party and straight up to Jay. She studied his face for a long moment before announcing, rather loudly and publicly, that Jay was her dad, and she was glad to finally meet him. Cal burst out into laughter while all Jay could do was gasp at the smiling little girl with surprisingly similar features. Next season on Fallout Savage Worlds. People of the Middlelands, do not be afraid. We are the Brotherhood of Steel. Uh, guys, I think I fixed Remy. Whoa, I'm not sure what happened there, but I feel funny. They're dead, and it's all your fault, Jay. Hey, this was your idea to begin with, Cal. Dad, what are you doing? You're so much more important than you know, Grace. So, what do we do now? I just don't know, Uncle Rocky. Hello, Jojo. I'm afraid I have to kill you now. Hey everyone, this is Nate, the GM of this Fallout-themed tabletop role-playing game. This project really was intended just for the players, but if you're not one of those guys and you took the time to listen, thank you. I appreciate your time and I hope you enjoyed it. To the players of this game, Mike, Danielle, Blaine, Angelica, and Matt, thank you guys. I really appreciate all the time and care you've put into your characters and the story that we've woven together. You really have made this the greatest game I've ever run, and I truly enjoy playing it with you. To our two narrators, Kim and Ryan, thank you guys as well. I really couldn't have done this project without you. And to everyone else, you can find Kim on the actual play podcast called Beholder's Eye and on Twitter at Kim Metzgirl. And you can find Ryan on the theatrical play podcast Another Path and on Twitter at Ryan underscore Albrecht. Thank you to Pinnacle Entertainment Group for creating the Savage World system. I actually bought this system way back at Gen Con in 2014 and finally have had a chance to play it. It really is an amazing system, and if you haven't had a chance to play it, I highly recommend it. You can find the source book on their website at peginc.com. And of course, thank you to Interplay 
and Bethesda for creating all the different Fallout games. They're such an inspiration and an amazing game. Again, if you haven't had a chance to play any of those, I highly recommend them as well. They're one of my favorite video games, and it's just an overall awesome story in an awesome setting. Finally, thank you to my wife Amanda for listening to my rantings and ramblings as I work through creative ideas for this game. I couldn't do this without you, and you are my rock and my inspiration. Love you, babe. One last time, thank you to everyone for listening to this. You can find me on Twitter at BatmanIsCool100. This is really my first try at anything podcast-related, and I'm not sure where this is going to go if I'm going to keep doing it or not, but if you enjoyed it, send me a message and let me know. Thank you.